Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dice and Dachshunds. I'm Matthew. And I'm Diana. And Buddy and Mikey are, of course, here, though pretty quiet. We hope. Today we're going to be talking about two different dexterity games. I've never purchased dexterity games before, but I got two great ones. This episode we're going to be talking about Catacombs and... Saffronito. So Saffronito by Marco Tubner, published by Zoc Verlang, is, as we said before, a dexterity game. In it, the players are chefs who are competing to create the best spice blend. There are cards designating spice blends, and then the board is a series of pictures of bowls of spices. And the way that you get spices is by tossing little discs onto the board, and if you can see even the edge of the bowl of spice in the hole in the center of the disc, then you can buy or sell that spice. Others can too, and there are different ways in which you can interact with each other, buy and sell spices, and there are some little spaces on the board that give you special abilities. But essentially, it's about tossing these little discs in such a way that they will land on the spice that you want, and then the first person to make two spice blends, I think it's two spice blends, so three spice, three spice blends of the ones available is the winner. So there are two other elements to Saffronito that add wrinkles to what's really a pretty simple design. For starters, each of your discs has a numerical value on one side, and that's the the amount of rupees that you're going to pay for a spice if you land on that spice with that disc, or it can also be used to set the price of spices that you're looking to sell. So not only are you trying to hit the right spice at the right time, but you're trying to hit it with the right disc. If I'm planning on buying cinnamon and I need to buy it low, I'm going to try and hit it with a 10 rupee disc. But if I miss or somebody knocks me out of the way because your discs are only counted and you only do actions based on them after everybody has thrown all of their discs, so you can totally mess up your opponent. If I miss it or I'm knocked off of it, then I've just forced myself to increase the price that I'm paying because then I have to throw in my 20 or my 30 or my 40 or my 50 discs. Of course, I may have had other plans for those. So it's neat. For a game that is pretty simple on its surface, there's actually a fair amount going on. Uh, Add to that that there are a finite number of spice cards for any given spice, and it is at least theoretically possible, we've only played the game a couple of times so far, but it is at least theoretically possible to corner the market on a particular spice and then block your opponents that way. So that's kind of just about it for Saffronito. It's a pretty simple game. It plays two to four players. People say it plays best with four. We played it with four, and it was definitely fun. And I'm sure we'll be playing it again. Catacombs is a two to five player, one versus all, dungeon crawl game where one person plays all of the monsters, and one to four other people 
play four adventurers that are venturing into the catacombs to defeat a catacombs lord, which is sort of the final boss. What makes this game particularly exciting, however, is that it has a hefty dexterity component that helps really keep it light and fun. Rather than moving miniatures around a grid and rolling dice and measuring stats and all of these other things that are involved in your typical dungeon crawl games like Descent, Catacombs involves large, relatively slick boards with six wooden pillars embedded in them, smaller discs for monsters and other discs for the heroes, and teeny tiny discs for arrows and spells and sewer rats and all sorts of other things. To move or attack or cast spells, you're going to be flicking discs around the board. So if the barbarian wants to attack a goblin, all you do is flick the barbarian disc so that it hits the goblin. And of course, it's harder than that because you have to actually hit the darn goblin. That's how it works. If the elf wants to shoot her arrows, she first flicks her disc to move because that's part of her abilities. And then she puts a teeny tiny arrow disc next to her disc and flicks it from there to the enemy she's trying to hit. The game is very simple. It's very accessible. All the information you need is contained on cards for each monster and each hero. It can be a little bit tough to get into at first just because of the amount of iconography that you're trying to discern but it really is pretty simple once you get the hang of what you're looking at. So Matthew introduced me to this game by showing me the video playthrough by the Shut Up and Sit Down guys, and they reasoned that the game is sufficiently weighted in favor of the monsters that the person playing the monsters should take a shot before they started playing. But uh, we did not do any such thing. Matthew was playing the monsters, and I died in the second to last room, which was further than I thought I'd get. The dexterity component can be really fun, and it can also be really frustrating. You know, you bounce off the pillar, or you just don't hit it quite right, and it goes two inches, and oh, you, you're so disappointed. But but that's also what makes it exciting, and, and that is relative, a relatively level playing field, because everybody has to flick. And uh, yeah, it... It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to playing it again now that I hopefully might be slightly better at it. Catacombs has been out for a while. This is actually the third edition that just came out. It's had a reputation for art that was very counterculture to the style of play. It used to have very kind of gritty Dungeons & Dragons style art with maybe even a little more of a darkness to it. And you're flicking things around a board. The new edition kind of fixes that. They have a new artist working on it who's refreshed all of the art. It's pretty. It's neat. It's playful. I think it fits the style of game much better. They've also taken the opportunity to dramatically increase the size of the playing area and throw in these little barrier walls that help keep the discs from flying off your table if you miss. You can't actually get it right now. <laughs> I got really lucky and I managed to track down 
probably one of the the few copies still on the internet in America at standard retail price, as is typical with board games. Whenever there's a drop in supply, people start scalping them for two, three hundred dollars, which I would not recommend paying. I do know that they're working on another printing of the third edition, so just hold on and it'll probably come out for you. They released an expansion called The Cavern of Soloth at the same time as the third edition. We have that as well, and it adds a lot more heroes, more monsters, other items that the heroes can buy at the merchant, and stuff like that. And I'd recommend it because. The base game, I think, comes with five or six heroes, and one of them is a chicken, which is a lot of fun, actually, because he has the ability to spend his turn running around the map frantically. He doesn't do any damage when he does that, but he's great for knocking monsters out of cover where the other heroes can take them down. Feathers of Fury. Yeah. Um, but if you want more choice, you know, if you want a paladin and an ice princess, I mean, who doesn't want an ice princess, really? You want to pick up the expansion. It's a short podcast this week since we were talking about two fairly simple games. We'll be back to a more longer podcast next time. We'll probably be talking about Empire's Age of Discovery and City of Iron. And until then, we'll see you later. Goodbye, Mikey. Mikey's waving goodbye. As always, if you have any questions for us, you're looking for game recommendations, you have ideas for future episodes or games you want us to check out or talk about, give us an email at diceandandydoxins at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll see you later.